Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Family Church for very long at all. You know that we uh, talk quite a bit about uh, how God created you on purpose, for a purpose. And we believe that that purpose is best summarized in four different ways, kind of four different tracks, and we call them steps or next steps. And those four steps are, number one, to know God, not, not just know about God, but come to know him in a, in a very personal and profound way. And, and this is done not just by believing in him, but by following him, accepting Jesus' invitation to follow me. And once you begin to follow him, then that's when you get to know him. And then as you get to know him, you'll find out he wants to set you free from the issues of your past. And that's the second step. We call it find freedom because we all have some baggage from the life that we lived before we started following Jesus. And once Jesus begins to set you free from your past hurts, your habits and hangups, he wants you to discover your purpose. And that's the third step. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And Mark Twain said the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and then the day that you find out why. And then once you discover your purpose, God wants you to use the unique gifts and, and talents that he's created you with to uh, make a difference, to make a difference. And all of us, here's the thing, all of us are somewhere in that four-step spiritual journey. And it is a journey. Make no mistake about that. This isn't a destination. This side of heaven, we're always going to be on this journey. doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 40 years or just for four weeks. Everyone has this next step to take along this journey. And so this is the big idea for this morning's message. We all have a next step to take in our faith journey. We all have a next step to take in our faith journey. And we, talking about we as family church want to help you take that next step. Now, the problem is, the problem is while most of you know this, not all of you are doing it. Not all of you are doing it. So what I want to do today and next couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to begin taking your next step. See, we're coming off a season of rest this past summer. We, uh, we spent some time, Sue and I took that sabbatical during the month of July, but we also encouraged our, as, as a church, our people as a church to just take some time to rest and relax and get rejuvenated. But now that, that, that time's over. Now, now it's time. It's time to get back to work. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, it's time. Go ahead. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time. Now turn to the person on the other side of you, your second choice, and tell them, I wasn't going to say anything, but it's really time for you. It's, it's really, really time for you. As I've gotten older in, in, in some ways, actually one way in particular, uh, I find myself becoming less and less patient. I don't know if that's an age thing. I know with me that, that kind of seems to be the case. But um, the, the, the place, the area where my patience has really been tested uh, is, is when I'm driving, and uh, having spent the month of July, I referenced this, we took the month of July off and we drove 4,800 miles uh, visiting different people. And uh, if nothing else, uh, what that trip confirmed is that there are still a lot of idiots out on the road um, and uh, you just need to be careful. But uh, look, understand, I, I, I'm saved. 
I'm sanctified. I'm going to heaven. But I ain't going to lie. Sometimes when I get behind the wheel, I'm barely a Christian. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm barely a Christian sometimes. Right? Um, like the times when, uh, folks, the left lane is a passing lane. It's not a cruising lane. It's a passing lane. How hard is it? How, what, what's so hard about understanding that? You know? So you, know, you got the cruise control set, and you, know, you want to pass, but then you come up on someone who apparently doesn't understand that you know, it's, against, it's actually against the law to do that. I've never seen anyone get busted for it. But So, so you come up behind them, and, and, and you know, you just, you, first you've got to kick off the cruise. All right? And you know, you're waiting for them to get over. And, and, and then when you realize, and I, and I always tell, we got a left lane cruiser, got a left lane cruiser here. So what I, you know, I, what I want to do is I want to, I just want to, but I'm a Christian. So I just do, beep, beep. You know, can, you, know, can, can you get over? Um, probably something that more of you can maybe relate to. Um, is when you're at an intersection and the light changes from red to green and the person in front of you doesn't go right away. Anyone ever ex- experienced that? Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't do this very often. I, I really don't. Uh, I'm, I'm being honest when I say I don't do this very often, but there's been a few times uh, that um, I, it's like, beep, beep. <laughs> you know, you know, ain't going to get much greener, you know. Uh, and... Uh, um, my wife, she has much more patience than I do. Um, and um, she, uh, she doesn't like it when I give them the little beep beep. You know, she, she, you know th- th- this is what she says when, when, she, when she sees that I'm getting frustrated and losing my patience. Um, she'll, she'll pull this line on me. Um, she says, um, just let it go, Pastor. Got the little pregnant pause in there. Just let it go, pastor. Uh, she pulls the pastor card out on me, and then I'm mad at her and the driver, you know, at, at that point. Uh, but, um, but she's right. You know, I, I, I am a pastor, which means, okay, which means since I'm a pastor that, that I am committed to helping you on your spiritual journey. And, and more than anything else, you need to understand this, more than anything else, I want to see you living the life that God has for you. And, and just being real honest, some of you aren't right now. Uh, some of you aren't doing that. And so, so in my heart, all right, in, in my heart, uh, I, I just, I, beep, beep. <laughs> Come on, what, you know, what, what are you waiting on, right? Life's green. It's time, it's time to start moving. It's time to quit making excuses. Time to start moving towards those things that God has called you to, to do. You know, Jesus actually addressed this tendency that we all have to procrastinate in our spiritual journey. It's found in Luke chapter 9. And Jesus tells this story. It's kind of in the form of a parable, but it, it probably really happened. But it says, uh, Luke 9, verse 57, and this is the message paraphrase. On the road, someone asked if he could go go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. So Jesus is walking down the road one day with his guys, and probably a small, or I don't know how large the crowd would have been at that time, but this group of people, and someone sees this entourage, and they, they come up, and they, hey, oh, this is kind of interesting. And so he gets excited, and he says, hey, 
Can I, can I follow you guys? Jesus, can, can I follow you? And apparently he was excited about following Jesus because he told Jesus, he said that he would go wherever. Jesus, I'll go wherever you go. Well, Jesus picks up on that word wherever. And I want you to look at his reply because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus didn't give him the beep, beep. No, Jesus gave him the full on we know that from his response here in verse 58. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying at the best ends, you know. In other words, Jesus tells this guy, look, if you're going to follow me, you say that you're going to go wherever. Are you sure? Look, we don't stay at the embassy suites. You know, we don't have a cook-to-order breakfast buffet when we get up in the mornings. No. Sometimes this isn't always easy to do. So uh, let me just pause right there and uh, drill down on that for just a second because, I mean, let's be honest here. Maybe the reason some of you aren't seeing the best version of you is because you're looking for the easy path. And uh, sometimes this isn't always the easiest path. Sometimes following, it's always the best path, but it's not always the easiest path. If it were easy, you'd already be doing it, right? Yes. Our mission is to be the easiest place to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's true. But once you experience that love and forgiveness, beep, beep, God's got a job for you. Come on. We, we, we've got work to do. We've got work to do. And if you want to go on this journey with us, look, we're going to make the path clear. But you're going to have to get behind the wheel, buckle up, and step on the accelerator and, and, and go. Come on, let's go. It's time to go. It's time to go. Verse 59 of Luke 9. Jesus said to another, follow me, he said. Certainly, but first, everyone say, but first. But first, excuse me for a couple of days, please. So see, this person really wanted to follow Jesus as well, but felt like they had a legitimate excuse why they couldn't right then. And, and really, when you read the reason, it actually sounds legit. This is what he says. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. You got a death in the family. So you're thinking, well, Jesus would surely be like, oh, you, you, you need to go take care of that then. You need to go, right? That, that's a legitimate excuse, isn't it? Look at Jesus' response here in verse 60. Jesus refused. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're missing the point. You're, you're missing the point here. The mission I'm on has eternal value. Right now, your life is driven by things that are temporal and fleeting. Come on, I, I need you to get on board here. I need you to help get the word out about my father's kingdom. That's what Jesus was saying to this guy. Then verse 61. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master, but first, but first, excuse me, while I get things straightened out at home. Verse 62, Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. All right, let's talk about this for a minute because uh, is Jesus really so demanding that he won't let a guy go make funeral arrangements for a family member? Or let a guy go swing by his house and tell his relatives where he's going to be for the rest of his life? No, that's, that's not what this man was asking, and that's not what Jesus' response was about. In fact, you think about this. 
since Jesus and his disciples were never, they, they never traveled very far from their home. And, and, and we even see stories in the Bible. We, we know that like Peter went to visit his mother-in-law and there's other occasions we see where some of these disciples who had already started following Jesus, no, they, they actually got to go see their family. So it's, it's not like, that, that's not Jesus' point here. So the, this, this seemingly harsh demanding response that Jesus gave, it was directed toward one specific phrase that this man spoke. And it's a phrase that we all have spoken on occasion. It's a lie that we tell ourselves, and it's the number one reason why people never experience the fullness of life that God has for them. What's the phrase? But first. But first. Yeah, Jesus, but, but first, right? Lord, I'll follow you wherever, but first, let, let, let me go do this, this, this other thing. Anyone ever made that statement? Two of you. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, you know what? I, I need to start being, I need to be more intentional about eating healthy, exercising, all right? So, but first, we got Halloween coming up. So, uh, but, but after that, right after Halloween, that I, and, well, then, let's see, then we got the holidays. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, Thanksgiving. So right after Christmas, no, wait, New, right after New Year's. Yeah, right after New Year's. That's it. I'm going to start being intentional about eating healthy and, and, well, wait a minute, then we got Super Bowl at the end of January. But after that, right, after that, what stands between you and the life you know you were meant to live? It's a fair question. What stands between you and the marriage you envisioned on that day when you said, I do, said your vows to each other? What stands between you and the joy of daily fellowship in the presence of Jesus? You'll never, you'll never have the life of your dreams as long as you give yourself permission to say, but first, let me do this. When it comes to doing what we know we should do, we're all pretty good at making a case for doing it later, aren't we? I like how the message paraphrase translates verse 62. It says, you can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Right? We've heard that, that Latin statement, carpe diem, seize the day. I looked that word up in the Greek. You know what it means? Beep, beep. <laughs> Not really, but I, that preached real well, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Three things. Three things that we need to move on from in our pursuit of God's will and becoming the best version of us as we follow through with these steps that he's given us. Number one, move on from old history. Some of you need to go to your settings tab, open it up, let God clear out all your old history, things, things that don't even need to be on the hard drive anymore. Maybe it was a, a relationship that went south, maybe a divorce, maybe it was a financial situation that went south, maybe bankruptcy, it might be a health issue. For some of you, it's, it's, it's that event because all of us have that event, that one traumatic event in your life that in some ways still seems to define you today because you can't seem to let it go. You can't seem to get past it. The prophet Isaiah, when addressing this idea of dwelling on the past, he puts it this way in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. He says, but forget all that. Forget all what? All that stuff from the past that you need to let go of. God says, you need to let go of that stuff. Why? He tells us, 
it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Look at that. Forget all that. Why? Because it ain't nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet is basically what he's saying there. I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a new thing. Verse, four, verse 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, God's got something new, something better for you. In fact, he says, you're, you're this close to it. You may not realize it, but you're actually this close to it. He says, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I like that, the way he poses that as a question. It's right there. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God's making a way, a pathway through the wilderness and the wasteland. The two places where we all end up if we try to live our lives apart from God. The pathway's been there all along. We just didn't see it. We just didn't see it. But note the question the prophet asks. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? And that's the question that I'm asking you, that the Lord's asking you this morning. God's doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Don't you recognize it? Part of my role as a pastor is to help you see the new thing that God's wanting to do in and through you. And then having helped you recognize it, beep, beep. Come on. Come on. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. Those of you who have never been water baptized, and I'm going to mention this because Kyle mentioned it, but those of you who have never been water baptized, you need to understand one of the best ways, one of the best ways that you can move on from your past is to go public with your faith and be water baptized. The, the, the visual of that act is so powerful. The reminder that, that your past, no matter how bad it was, does not, does not have to define you today. So, so if you've never been water baptized, you, you, you need to do this. You need to do this. Next Sunday is your Sunday. So go to the website, sign up, talk to me, talk to Kyle. You need to take care of this. You need to take care of this. Some of you need to move on from old history. Second thing, some of you need to move on from old habits. Habits, addictions, not just to drugs or alcohol. This is any area of, of your life that, where there's something there that, that is working against God creating the best version of you possible. Now, these are, these are things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they can be if we allow them to begin to rule our lives. See, the bottom line is this. We all have allowed way too much stuff in our lives at times, and when we do that, then it can become spiritually unhealthy for us. That's why we incorporate fasting during our 21 days of prayer. We do that twice a year. See, prayer is what connects us to God, and the fasting is what disconnects us from the world, including any habits or unhealthy patterns that we might have in our life. Again, some of these things, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. The problem comes when they begin to master or rule over us. And, and, and God actually addresses this, this very thing through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 58, verse 6, he says, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? The point being, sometimes moving past these habits is going to require an intentional time of, of prayer connecting with God, but also fasting, disconnecting from the world and some of those habits. So, come on, beep, beep. Come on. God's already paid the price. He's already set you free. You just need to embrace it. 
and move on and move on. So move on from old habits, move on from old history, and then move on from old hurts. Some of you are having a hard time moving on from a past hurt, a hurt that was either inflicted on you or maybe that you inflicted on someone else, or maybe both, maybe both. And look, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I am in no way minimizing or making light of anyone's past hurt or pain. But you need to understand, there comes a point where yesterday's hurts hinder tomorrow's promises. And we need to be aware of that. Luke 9, verse 62. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In that agricultural economy, they understood this analogy that Jesus used about plowing a straight line, how you can't, you know, get behind, you'll plow, you know, with the animals up there and then turn around because you're not going to plow a straight line, right? Today, we might put it this way. You can't drive down the highway with your eyes glued to the rearview mirror. If you try to plow that way, your field's going to be random and haphazard. If you try to drive that way, your driving's going to be random and haphazard. And if you try to live your life that way, your life will be random and haphazard. You'll never start the next chapter of your life as long as you keep rereading the last one. Some of you have been rereading a chapter from your past, and as a result, your life's being defined by some point of failure and, or shortcoming in your past. And God wants to remind you that you know, he's already paid the price to set you free from that. So, beep, beep, come on. I, I know it hurt at the time, but come on. I've healed you of that. It's time to move on. It's time to go. It's interesting that when Jesus preached about the kingdom of heaven, he introduced it with a qualifier. And that qualifier was a word that's been misunderstood by many in the church over the years. Matthew 4, verse 17 says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or is near. See, some people hear that word, repent, and, and they, they get a visual. What they think of is, you know, some Bible-thumping uh, street preacher standing out on the corner, waving the Bible and screaming at people, telling people they're going to go to hell if they don't repent, right? Kind of reminds me of the story about the pastor who was painting his church one day. And as the day wore on, he saw that he was getting low on paint, but he didn't want to drive all the way back into town, have him mix up another, some more paint. And so he thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just thin this down just a little bit, you know, and I think I can get the job done. So he continued to paint and it got lower. So he continued to thin more and then thin more. And then finally it got to the point where, man, I don't know if I'm going to finish or not, but it was a lighter color paint. So he thought no one's really going to notice. Just as he finished up painting, dark cloud moved over right above the church. And then a thunderstorm started coming down out of that cloud. And all of a sudden, as the rain came down, that watered down paint began to run. And then there was this flash of lightning and a crack of thunder. And a voice boomed down from that dark cloud and said, repaint and thin no more. That's funny. I don't care who you are. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> to repent. It, it really is an interesting word. To repent, it, it, it's not what you might think. To repent, the Greek word is metanoia, and here's what it literally means. Meta, to change, noia, thought. 
to change the way you think. Now, now, ultimately, repentance should be evidenced by our actions, right? But to change the way we act, we first need to change the way we think. Right? And why do we do this? Why do, why do we need to change the way we think? Because we identify with, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's not our kingdom. And if it's not our kingdom and we're not in charge, then we don't get to call the shots. The problem is some of you are still calling the shots. And it doesn't work when you call the shots trying to live in God's kingdom. Some of you need to repent. Change the, your way of thinking. Step out of your kingdom and step into God's kingdom. Let him start calling the shots. So, Come on, beat, beat, come on. Light's green. It's time to start making some changes. And I'm going to conclude by giving you four areas where you can start making changes. Four very practical areas. Number one, it's time to get closer to God. It's time to get closer to God. Now, that might sound, really, you know, but pastor, I already love Jesus. Good, good. Love him more. You, you say that like people say that like, well, you know, I, I can only love him so much. <laughs> like there's some quota or, you know, that like we can only love God so much. You know what? I, I've been serving God for over 46 years and, and I have never loved God more, been more rejuvenated, energized from, and I've worked harder than I ever have in all these years of ministry. But, but all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm energized by this. Why? Because I've learned to love God more. It can happen. The more you fall in love with God, the more, the more energized you are, the more effective you'll be in his kingdom. So I'm gonna lead you, I'm gonna lead the way here. I want you to follow. So I'm inviting you to come with us, come with me on this amazing journey of, of loving God more, getting closer to God, getting closer to God. Beep, beep, come on, it's green. It's time to go. It's time to go. James 4, verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now look at four words of this. Look at the first four words of that promise. Come close to God. Come close to God. So who's responsible here? Who takes the first step? We do. This is on us. And if we'll do that, we'll take that step. The promise is he'll meet us. He'll meet us, right? We initiate it, but God honors that if we'll take that step of faith. And he'll begin to sanctify us outwardly by our actions and purify us inwardly by changing our heart. And we need, we need this. We really need this because sometimes our loyalty is divided. That's what he says. If you want something you've never had, then you need to do something you've never done before. Those of you who are still struggling to give God the first part of your day, the first part of your treasure, you know, we talk about the principle of the first. Some of you, it's like, well, yeah, you know, we come to church. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, we come as often as we can. It maybe isn't a priority, but, you know, we, we try to come as much as we can. Or maybe, maybe you're not a tither or you're not a percentage giver, but you, you give occasionally because it's, well, you know, I, I, I try to do what we can. I, I try to do what we can here. You know, you know well, let, let me ask you this. You say, well, what would, my lo- what would my life look like if I did come to church more consistently? Let me answer that for you. It'd look better. <laughs> it, it would look better. Because following Jesus not only makes your life better, it makes you better at life. What would your life look like if you really began to trust him with your finances and give him that, that, that 10% off the top? Let me answer that. Your life would look better. It would because that's how, he's, that's how he has it set up. So it's time to get closer to God. 
Time to get closer to God. Second, it's time to get honest with a friend. It's time to get honest with a friend. You cannot, you cannot get to where you ultimately want to go on your own. You say, well, I know, Pastor, that's why I've got God. No, 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 you, you don't understand. You cannot get to where you ultimately want to be even with you and God because God created us, created us to not just depend on each other but to be interdependent on each other as well. We need someone who can walk with us and talk with us on this spiritual journey, someone to hold us accountable, someone, someone to encourage us, to cheer us on when needed, someone to, to speak truth into our lives, tell us the truth at times when that's needed. A few years ago, <clears throat> I went through a, a span of time where I, I, I did about five weddings in about six months' time. It's just, just the way it fell. It, 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 you know, that, that's never happened since then, thank God. But uh, So I, I had all these weddings that I was going to be doing, and, uh, and then, which meant I also had all these wedding receptions that I would be attending. So, um, so I was talking with Sue and some other good friends of ours, Tim and Cindy Moore. One of the weddings I was going to be doing was, was Stacia, their daughter, and, and Micah. And so uh, we, we came up with this. I don't know who came up with the idea about, let's take some dance lessons. Let's take some dance lessons. Because you know, I don't want to be on Dancing with the Stars, but I don't want to look like an idiot when I get out on, on the dance floor, right? Uh, because the only thing worse than being on the dance floor not knowing how to dance is being on the dance floor thinking you do know how to dance, but, but you don't. So anyway, so uh, they came up with it. There's a studio up in Overland Park, had this special deal. You pay so much money, and you get so many lessons, and then at the end of that, if you want to continue on, you can. So we signed up for that. And uh, I mean, early on in that very first lesson, I mean, like not even halfway through the lesson, uh, it dawned on me that this was a mistake of gargantuan proportions because <laughs> no amount of money is going to help me in this regard. Uh, but, uh, but you know what? Uh, we had already paid for them. So you know what? Next week, I went, you know who, who went to the lessons? I did. The next week, you know who went to the lessons? I did. The next week, you know who went to the... Even though I didn't want to go, why did I go? Because they had my money. Right? I, I, I was motivated to do that. So after the lessons were over, we decided, you know, we didn't want to do that anymore. But we found out about a dance studio up in KCK where you could pay as you go. So you just, you know, you just go up there. If you go up, then you pay as you go. Well, you know how that went. We went once or twice, and, you know. So, and, so that didn't last very long. So, 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 so what are you saying, Pastor, that we need to hire an accountability partner? <laughs> no. I'm not saying that you need to hire an accountability partner, but I do think it underscores the urgency of making sure that we have someone in our life who will hold us accountable, that we give the freedom to speak into our life if needed. Someone to tell us, someone to tell us, you know, you probably shouldn't get out there on the dance floor. That's probably not, not the best idea for you to do that, right? Silly illustration. But don't miss how critical this is. In fact, this was mission critical for Jesus. We're told in Mark 6 that when Jesus sent his disciples out into the world, how did he send them out? Two by two, right? He sent them out in twos. And that was by design. That wasn't a random number. That was by design because he knew. He knew that if they were going to be successful at what he called them to do, that they were going to have to rely on each other. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, Jesus knew, think about this, think about this. Jesus knew that pairing up his disciples in twos before sending them out into the world to share the gospel would immediately 
I mean immediately cut in half the number of towns that they could visit and the number of people they could reach. I mean immediately that would be cut in half. But that was a risk that he was willing to take. Why? Because this was mission critical for Jesus. He knew how important accountability and encouragement and teamwork was for his disciples to accomplish what he asked them to do. Another way to put this would be to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. So, come on. Beep, beep. It's time. It's time to get closer to God. Time to get honest with a trusted friend. It's time to get in tune with your purpose and passions. Galatians 6, verse 3. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. And he's talking about those things that, that you look to for satisfaction and contentment in life. Pay careful attention to your own work for then, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You know, it makes a, this is what Paul's saying. He said, it makes a huge difference in your outlook on life when you know why you were created. When, when you know why you were created, it doesn't matter how crappy of a day you've had because circumstances don't dictate, don't dictate your attitude throughout the day because you're, you're, you're looking at the large picture, right? You're, you're, you're living for something larger than yourself, greater than you. And, and that's why the best version of you is a version that understands that you were created on purpose for a purpose because ultimately it's not about going through life it's about growing through life. And that's also why we underscore this in our vision statement that all people would take their next step towards Jesus because the truth is we're either moving toward God or away from God. This is also why we promote our next classes so much. We want you to be moving toward God, not away from him. So, so we're here to help nudge you along in the right direction. Kind of give you the, the come on, Beep, beep. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to get closer to God. It's time to get honest with a friend. It's time to get in tune with your God-given purpose and passions. And it's time to start living for something greater than yourself. Because true joy comes when we start living our lives for something bigger than us. The greatest, listen, the greatest joy we can experience comes through these two things, purpose and passion. Purpose and passion. When you discover what your purpose is and then go, at, go hard after that, passionately, that's when you'll experience the greatest joy that you can experience. Ephesians 2, verse 10. He created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Look at that, three times. I find it interesting, three times, the Apostle Paul reminds us that using our unique gifts and talents to serve him and his kingdom, it's work. It is. He doesn't pull any punches. It is work. The message being, even though following Jesus isn't always the easy thing, it's not the easiest life, it's always the best way to live your life. But again, if it were easy, you'd already be doing it, right? You'd already be doing it. It's work but it's good work. It's the kind of work where at the end of the day, and you've experienced these days when you come home, your head hits the pillow and you are worn slick, you are tired physically, emotionally, but on the inside, it's like, man, yeah, I made a difference today. I made a difference today. 
See, that, that's that joy. That's that, Paul says the joy of our, the Lord is our strength. That's what he's talking about. That's where we draw that strength from. Even though outwardly, you know, we feel crappy. On the, no, no, no. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If I dedicate my life to something greater than myself, God will fill my life with passion and adventure. So, come on, dear ones. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. It's time. Lights. Lights changed. But some of you don't see it because you're looking in the rearview mirror of your past. Here's a statement for you. I cannot go back and change the beginning, but I can start where I am and change the ending. So here's your homework. Here's your homework, and I want to pray for you. What old history, habits, or hurts keep you from seeing the new creation that God wants you to be, that new thing that God's wanting to do in your life? What old history, habits, or hurts are keeping you from recognizing that new thing that God has for you? Second, what is one thing that you can do this week, this week, to step into the new thing that God has for you? And then third question, what can you do right now to start from where you are in an effort to change the ending? Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for, thank you for the hope that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. Hope that brings not just salvation, but hope that brings healing as well. And right now I pray for those that are in need of healing, healing from a past habit, a past hurt, or just a past failure in general. If that's you, if that's you, just, just, I just want to thank him right now for, for healing you because he has healed you. Just own it, embrace it. And just, just tell him, thank you, Jesus, for healing me, for giving me the faith to, to step out of the failures of my past and, and courage to step into the, the future, your future and purpose for my life. And while your heads are bowed, I want to ask those of you who, maybe you're here and you consider yourself to be a Christian, but come on, you know who's calling the shots. Because if it ain't God, then, then, then he's not your Lord. He's not your Lord. If Jesus isn't the one who's been calling the shots, we really have no right to call him Lord. But you know what? Today that's going to change, right? Because now you see it. I see it now. I recognize it. Today you're ready for that, that to change. You're ready for that new thing. So today you're going to make the decision to change the way you think so that from this day forward, you're not just going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. No, today is the day that you're, all, you're, you're going to start living your life with that understanding. If that's you, if you just pray this prayer with me, you just want to get things right with God. You say, Lord Jesus, today I'm inviting you to be my king and my Lord. I know maybe I've called you Lord in the past, but now I realize that you weren't really Lord because I was still trying to call the shots, but... Forgive me of that, Lord. I want that to change today. I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging Jesus Christ as my Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my kingdom. And I'm entering God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. 
And I'm asking you, Lord, to come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit and begin creating the best version of me as I totally surrender my life to you. I confess that Jesus Christ is not just King of Kings, but my King. And he's not just Lord of Lords, but he's my Lord. And I give my life to you, Jesus. And I receive your life in return. So fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me begin living my life for you and your kingdom from this day forward. In Jesus' name.